Hey there, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that today's episode is not our normal short five to 10 minute format. John and I are collaborating on a larger episode covering WrestleMania 10. But don't worry, we'll be back to our short form audio in April. Now, on with the show. Good morning and welcome to the March 24th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we are on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. My name is Ryan Joy, and on today's episode, we are talking about WrestleMania 10, and I'm here with John DeCani, as we have been all month, covering the various WrestleManias as we lead up to this year's. John, WrestleMania 10 is kind of a big one. Uh, it probably ranks pretty high on your favorites. Is it at the top? Uh, it, it's near the top. Uh, it's it's definitely a big one. It's 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 so... I think at the time, it probably was seen as an oasis because these were kind of like dark times in the WWF. They, you know, money wasn't great. Uh, this, the steroids loomed and this, that, and the other thing. And in retrospect, it's a harbinger because it it really is an inflection point of the next generation. And it's just, it's so beautiful it, at, at, a, at a moment where, as we're doing these, as we're going along and we're skipping, you know, we're, we're taking in a whole year kind of with each episode because we're jumping to the next WrestleMania. There were some down times, and then this is an absolute bright spot. It really is. Uh, no previous WrestleMania, as far as I can think of, had two matches of the caliber of uh, of you know, Brett and Owen and Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. There was, there was no WrestleMania up to this point that had, there was, you know, there were some that had one good match, you know, yeah. uh, WrestleMania three had Savage Steamboat and that was an excellent match. And even got Savage pulled a great match out of the warrior at WrestleMania six. So there were bright spots here and there. Um, but no WrestleMania had two good matches like this. Right. Yeah, and exactly, and that's exactly what I was talking about. It in it being a harbinger of the, this was, this is what you're getting ready to see in the future. We're we're gonna start. We're we're gonna. I mean, not that they, not that WWF ever goes away from the pomp and circumstance of wrestling, but we were gonna get some more. We were gonna get some higher quality wrestling in the years to come. Maybe yes. not necessarily the very next year, but it was coming. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so this is March 20th, 1994, uh, attendance of 18,065 people uh, in Madison Square Garden. So we're back in New York for uh, the 10th anniversary. Makes sense. WrestleMania 1's there. WrestleMania 10's there. Makes sense. Our commentary team this year is Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler. So this is the WrestleMania. It's not the commentary debut for Vince McMahon, but this is the first time that he's doing the whole show, right? He did WrestleMania two. He was there for that, um, for the New York portion, but this is the first time he's doing a, a full WrestleMania and Jerry Lawler. It's his first WrestleMania, uh, where he's doing, where he's doing the whole show. And the thing is Lawler had been around WWE for a bit. Uh, he was even a top heel for the company working programs against Bret Hart, before he was indicted on charges of statutory rape of a 15-year-old girl. Those charges were dropped, 
and Lawler made his return on this show. So this was a big return for Jerry Lawler. Uh, and he was making his com he was really making his commentary debut on this show. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, he he'd come to be the voice of a generation, but this was kind of a this was kind of the jumping off point for him. That's right. And Vince, and, you know, once again, Vince kind of schizophrenic, you know, yeah. like he's front and center for the New York portion of WrestleMania two. When a year prior, he basically didn't want to be on camera for WrestleMania one, which is his creation. And he's the genius who came up with it and blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's so weird how he picks his spots where he wants to be completely removed or whether he wants to be front and center. And here he's front and center. And, it would probably be my one complaint about the whole evening. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> now, ring announcing was also very interesting on this show because it's the only time we'll see Bill Dunn as a ring announcer. Uh, and he's on for about half the show, I guess. Uh, maybe maybe a lot less. I don't. I can't remember exactly, but... Uh, but Howard Finkel was absent with for some sort of an injury or something to that effect. Uh, but he makes his return here as well. So. Yeah, and it, I, you know, we talked about this one a year, maybe a year and a half ago before uh, WrestleMania 10, that is. And I'm sure I was surprised then. And son of a gun, if I wasn't surprised all over again, hearing Bill Dunn and I was like, where the hell is Finkel? <laughs> yeah. and, then, and you know, two matches later, you see that they were kind of holding him aside for this big reveal of a goofy little segment. Uh, and I'm I, once again, it surprised me just as much, like because I, it's WrestleMania, and you know, Finkus Maximus is supposed to be front and center, <laughs> and it just, it caught me off guard again, even though you know it hasn't been 27, 28 years since I've watched this. I just watched it in the last year and a half or so. I completely forgot about it again. You know what's good though is I, I think Bill Dunn, specifically that first match, incredible job announcing Owen and Brett to the ring. Yeah. Um, the way he says Calgary, Alberta, Canada, it's like <laughs> it's like right there in my mind. Um, he's sort of a time capsule in that way. Is uh, is uh, his his work here, but. Uh, Ringside seats were going for $300, which is an amazing deal by today's standards, but an extremely high price for the 1994 standards. So um, it was a $960,000 gate. Uh, but that the fact that it was a $960,000 gate indicates that a lot of tickets were probably comped because the same attendance brought in $700,000 more at WrestleMania five. So is that right? Okay. Well, I, which is kind of crazy that they maybe they comped them. Is that, it, it, that doesn't it doesn't make sense because they they sold out the building and put 5,000 people in the theater next door on closed circuit. That's you true. Know, like, you wonder, yeah. like, what, what was the plan there that they comped that many tickets and yet sold out and had an overflow room? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good question. You know, you even see Savage going into the Paramount Theater the next the next room over. But yeah, um, this was the first WrestleMania with no Hulk Hogan. So I know you did a little victory lap, <laughs> but um, he's obviously a key absence. Uh, Tito Santana is also not on here, and and you know he wasn't at 
the previous year's WrestleMania either, but he was on a dark match. He's gone now. Yeah. So, so he's completely gone. Uh, also, Ted DiBiase is present for the show, but he does not have a match. Uh, he's even sort of announced at, by this point that he's no longer wrestling. And since last year's WrestleMania, he actually left WWF, went to work all Japan for a little bit. Uh, he worked a whole bunch of matches over there, and he must have sustained some sort of injury over there because he did announce his retirement due to injury uh, early in, earlier in the year and then returned to WWF in a non-wrestling capacity. So Ted DiBiase, who has been around since WrestleMania four. Uh, and seemed like seemed like he was there the like my entire childhood, but really right. it was just a six year period. The WWF is amazing like that. Like how many times have we said that? You know, Mick Foley. Mick Foley's the yeah. prime example. Yeah, <laughs> what, was, what was his career? Four years, ninety six to two thousand. Yeah. yeah, and then he jumps back for you know a little a little run here, a little run there, but like four years, and I feel like. And, and the WWF does that all the time. It's become so much a part of your life, and there's just so much to absorb of it. And then when you look at the raw numbers and you realize, uh, you know, a lot of it is uh, comments Super across the sky. Yeah. 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 Um, other things that were happening. Rest, uh, the same week that this happened and you just brought him up actually uh cactus jack lost his ear just four days prior to this wrestlemania uh sure. it would be it'd be a several years uh well it'd only be actually a couple years before uh, mick foley would debut in the wwf but that's what he was doing <laughs> that week as he was trying to uh, decide whether he was ever going to have an ear again but uh, he <laughs> lost his ear in that match with vader overseas in germany uh, when he, you know, did the spot where his neck was between the ropes. So, yep. um, so just coincidence. It's a, it's a, obviously a high mark or a landmark or a milestone, I guess you would say, when you're talking about Mick Foley is that particular moment in Germany. And uh, it happened right about the same time we're talking about what's going on on today's, sh on today's show. So very, very interesting. Now, John, we've been talking the last seven eight nine wrestlemanias that there haven't been there has not been a women's match at wrestlemania um actually so at this wrestlemania we have a mixed tag match right we have doink and dink yeah. and then we also have a lunge blaze um so so we have luna vachon competing and we have a lunge blaze competing on this on this wrestlemania so the streak has been broken yes congratulations to the women of wrestling you are back back on the card but don't get comfortable <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh uh in the dark match the heavenly bodies that's tom pritchard and jimmy del rey with jim Cornette, defeated the bushwhackers luke and butch uh, i don't have any details on that match i've never seen that match i don't know anything about that match <laughs> i don't know if you could if there's any way you could even watch that match, but quite frankly, I'm okay. I mean, we do see, we see part of it during the, as Pettengill is over in the theater. And at some point in time, he winds up at maybe gorilla position and over his shoulder, you can see the match going on, but we don't oh. actually, 
Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, we don't actually get to watch. We don't see the finish or anything like that. Oh, interesting. I didn't pick up on that. Well, the opening contest is one of those matches that uh, a lot of people, especially up up until this point, would have said was the best match in WrestleMania history if they had turned off WrestleMania right then and there after the Bret Hart versus Owen match. They would have said that was the best match in WrestleMania history. Um, but Owen Hart would beat Bret Hart in a 20-minute match. It went 20 minutes, 21 seconds. Uh, there was a couple of interesting spots in here. Uh, one thing I noted, John, and I wondered if you caught it too, Owen hit a tombstone on Bret. And it was the yes. same tombstone that he used when he put Steve Austin on the shelf and broke his neck. Could you imagine if he had done that, if he had messed that move up here on his brother? Oof. And, and, and another, like, I, I kind of held my breath as that was happening. And then at another moment, he hits a beautiful bridging German. And it ju- it must have been absolutely perfectly timed because it 100% looks like Brett lands on his head. Oh. And then, the, and, you know, the fact that you know, Owen is bridging up right behind him kind of puts the, sh- the pressure back on his shoulder. But it looked as devastating as a bridging German could look. But, you know, there was no downtime in the match. They just rolled right along. So it must have been executed perfectly. Right. Um, the victory roll finish. Uh, and I, that's pretty much all I need to say because this is something that most people know what I'm saying when it, when it happens. But Owen's on Brett's shoulders. And, or I'm sorry, Brett is on Owen's shoulders and he, and he goes to go for a victory roll, but Owen holds back, sits down and gets the pinfall. That is a finish that has been, I, I don't want to say copied because it's more of paid tribute to right over the years. And, you know, a little variation here, variation there, but whenever you see that spot, people bring up this, you know, this Brett Hart Owen thing, because that's where it came from. Yeah, when the uh, when AEW did the the Owen Hart uh, Cup, the, that that opening round match between the members of FTR, you were waiting for that spot because you knew it was coming. Yes, and it came. It, it it wasn't the finish, but you knew it was coming. And yes, they absolutely paid tribute to it because it is an iconic moment. It was four and three quarter stars on the Meltzer scale, um, and here's what Meltzer ha- said about it. While the idea of Owen beating Brett was a surprise, but not a total surprise, the idea going in, he'd do it clean in the middle, was almost unfathomable, but also made it obvious that Brett was ending the show with the title belt. Although the win solidly elevated Owen to the top of the ladder on the heel side, his post-match interview showed that he's badly in need of a manager to effectively stay in that spot for any length of time. And... I think it's a fair criticism of Owen to say that he was not the best promo, particularly at this particular time. Yeah, but he certainly would get better. Yeah, he would get better for sure. And also, the heat off of this this Owen and Brett story kept him at the top of the card for a bit, and uh, it led to some of the best matches in in WWF history, especially up to this point. So, absolutely, yeah. That whole that 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 next six months where. Uh, the two of them would would battle on and off, and especially in house shows, is got to be an absolute high point for pure wrestling in the history of WWF. Absolutely, Todd Pettengill would speak with Owen Hart after the match, and he said, "You know, now he is the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be." So, um, 
Yeah. Any anything else on the Brett Owen match? Because it is one of the best matches of of all time, and it's one of the reasons why this WrestleMania is credited so highly. Yes. Uh, well, I, uh, an interesting story that uh, in October of '93, Brett was considering taking a year off, or maybe walking away from the WWF altogether. Like I guess his contract was up or what have you, and he just was, he was a little disillusioned. He wasn't real happy with I guess his spot at the moment, but he was just looking at taking some time off. Vincent Pat came and Pat, Pat, Pat Patterson came up with the idea of feuding with one of his brothers to motivate Brett. Right. And that it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It got Brett excited for the idea of it. They originally pitched Bruce in this yeah. spot, his older yeah. brother. And, you know, but Bruce wasn't really with the company at the time. And meanwhile, Owen was languishing in the mid card and it was Brett's idea to elevate Owen and Look, I don't, I don't know how good of a wrestler Bruce was, but thank God Brett decided what he decided because it gave us so much joy and so much entertainment to look at. Yeah, yeah, I had forgotten that story, but that uh, is something that Brett chronicles in his uh, autobiography. Uh, throughout this, being that it's the ten-year anniversary of the uh, of WrestleMania, they do WrestleMania moments. And yes. it's how Gorilla Monsoon is featured on the show because he was, you know, he's not in commentary or anything like that anymore. So he is featured here reliving the WrestleMania moments. And I guess it makes it makes sense. He was sort of the voice of the first eight WrestleMania. So it makes sense that he would be the guy who did the, the WrestleMania moments. And it's so funny, the ones that they pick, right. the, the <laughs> WrestleMania moments that they pick. And in some cases, I feel like it's politically charged. Like they're not going to talk. They don't want to talk about people that aren't with the company anymore or something like that. But in other cases, they don't shy away from it. Mm. So it's so it's kind of an interesting thing. But with WrestleMania two, he talks about it was another first as WrestleMania came from three different locations, and he points to the Battle Royal as the big deal. That's the big. <laughs> that's the big thing. Um, not the introduction of the big blue steel cage or anything like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the battle Royal, the awesome battle Royal. So interesting choice. Yes. And then, uh, then we get Cy Sperling in the ring and he introduces the Fink, but it's the Fink with hair. His latest <laughs> creation. <laughs> yep. There it is. There's that, that moment that I go like, Oh yeah, this stupid crap. <laughs> And then, then and that's it. Then we're done with Bill Dunn for the most part. Pretty much, makes yeah. Little, yeah, it makes a little bit of appearance here and there. But uh, Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna Vachon going up against Doink and Dink. Now, uh, Bam Bam is uh, Bam Bam and Luna get the win here in six minutes and nine seconds. Doink is now Ray Apollo. Yesterday, yesterday we talked about how Doink was Matt Bourne. So yeah, so we had to keep. Like there are little check marks here on if when we're talking about the record record books. So uh Matt Bourne would finish up 0-2. Uh Ray Apollo, I believe this is his one and done, and he's 0-1 here. So um but the beast from the east hits a big diving headbutt for the win. After the match, Dink tried to uh square off with Bam Bam. Uh Bigelow went for the big splash, Dink rolled out, Luna got the splash instead. One and three quarters on the Meltzer scale. Not not terrific. 
I mean, th- there was there was a lot wrong with this match, but it, it was a fun little thing, you know. Like, yeah. I, the, I mean, the big diving headbutt that Bam Bam hits for the finish. They chose a great angle to show it from because yeah. he was so far away, he probably missed by a foot. But they showed <laughs> it completely catty corner from the other corner, so it kind of looks like maybe he made contact. But when when they're over Bam Bam's shoulder and you see how much ground he has to make up or how much air he's got to get to get to doink you're saying to yourself like there's no way in hell he makes that so uh, and then like you said at the end bam bam goes for the big splash and kind of bam bam and luna went for splashes at the same moment and i wonder if dink was supposed to have rolled clear of both of them but he just did he he got out of the way of bam thank god but Luna kind of caught him and it was kind of awkward. It actually looked like he might have hurt himself and he kind of rolls out of the ring from that point. It was a weird, awkward finish, but it was a fun little moment. And I guess it was meant to be nothing more than that. Right. Right. The real serious Bam Bam WrestleMania moment would be the next year. So we'll get to that on Monday. Yeah. The next Gorilla Monsoon WrestleMania moment was WrestleMania 3, and they highlighted Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Now, I believe, if not if not yet, I, I believe Hogan was on his way to WCW at this time, if he wasn't already there. So the fact that they highlighted this was interesting to me. But. Yeah, interesting, but at the same time, I mean, obviously you could have talked about uh, Steamboat Savage, but as we've chronicled so many times on this show in, in all different forms of it, it, that was, a that was a moment. That was the moment. So, yeah. If you don't talk about that one, you're kind of like really disrespecting the history of the, yeah, <laughs> that show. You're being, you're being petty at that point. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, don't get it. Don't. don't <laughs> and we're Vince McMahon. So it's entirely <laughs> possible. <laughs> Uh, the next match is Randy Savage versus Crush, and it's a false count anywhere. But it's not the it's not the false count anywhere type of match that we have come to know. It is the false count anywhere type of match where once the fall occurs, the loser has sixty seconds to make it back in the ring, and if they do so, then the match continues. Now, frankly, there's I want to make two points here. First, I like it. Because it's different, I, sure. I like that kind of like fun aspect to it. On the other hand, it's not really false count anywhere. It's kind of like false count anywhere, but in the ring. Because if you pin the guy in the ring, then he's already there. There's so no point. <laughs> there's no point. <laughs> and that and that does play out. Well, you know, I think the Randy's first or second pinfall, he hits a move in the ring, and you see his body almost goes into the reflexive. You know, cover. He goes to hook a leg, and then no, no, he rolls him under the bottom rope to the floor, right next to the ring, covers him there, yeah. because bring him in the ring would have made no sense. Yep, yep. Now Randy was had missed WrestleMania nine. He was doing commentary, uh, but you can kind of tell that Vince was considering Savage kind of done, right? Yeah. Because Vince referred to him as one of the all-time greats. That's Vince McMahon speak for what a nice return this guy's making for one night only. (laughs) It is the final WrestleMania match for Randy Savage. Uh, With this win, uh, because he did win, 
with this win, he would tie Hulk Hogan for the most wins at WrestleMania up to this point. They're both at seven. So Crush would fall to 0-3. Um, so, but um, Savage and Crush each got a fall on the outside and the, the their opponent recovered. Randy Savage got the final fall and then he tied Crush to some scaff- scaffolding uh, in the back to make sure that Crush couldn't make it through two and three quarter stars on the Meltzer scale. So, uh, by the way, Crush has got Mr. Fuji in his corner here. So, yes, Fuji yes, working was at least double duty here, triple duty, maybe. Yeah, so, the, this was the Kona Crush uh, yes. incarnation. Yes, that's right. After this, Todd Pettengale is with Bill Clinton. Uh, Clinton said he wouldn't miss one of these things for everything. IRS congratulated Clinton on raising his ta- raising the taxes. <laughs> and the note I put was, did Bill Clinton really need help being a heel? I mean, you know, like, poor guy. I mean, I'm not getting, I'm not really being political, but he certainly had plenty of, of uh, controversy. I don't know yeah. if it had come out yet, but. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 the, and the guy who does this impersonation, you know, uh, Timothy Waters, I believe is his name. He's got the he's got the look down, which is kind of incredible. He's got the voice down, which uh, maybe a little bit easier. Someone should have written some lines for him, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he, he's not a natural talker, it seems. You know, right? He he, he can hit a couple of uh, the Clinton signature lines, but he doesn't seem to have a lot to say. And you'd think in the WWF they would have thought of that ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. I, sometimes you watch WWF back in this day, and you're like, they were kind of loose and loose and uh, willy nilly on these kinds of things. Whereas these days, it would be like scripted, scripted and handed to him, probably only thirty seconds in advance. But he would have a script. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see Savage in the Paramount Theater, and then our WrestleMania moment from WrestleMania Four was Savage beating not one, not two, not three, but four men to become the WWF champion at WrestleMania 4. So there you go. Good stuff. And then, of course, Alundra Blaze having her WrestleMania moment here. It's a three-minute and 20-minute match where she gets a win over Leilani Kai, who is making her first appearance since WrestleMania 1, where she lost to Wendy Richter. Uh, Blaze was making her WrestleMania debut. One and done for her, though, I think. I don't think she had any more. Uh, nice German suplex with a bridge uh, by Landry Blaze. One and a quarter star on the Meltzer scale. But, I mean, you know, it's almost like if it's less than five minutes, can you really give it a rating? I mean, right. And a couple of interesting points about this uh, match. First of all, like you said, Leilani Kai, uh, WrestleMania 1, same title, same building. Same outcome. Sorry, Leilani. Yeah, you're, just, <laughs> you're here to count the lights. Uh, second of all, there's an there's an interesting thing that happens here. I was watching an old, a uh, very weathered uh, Coliseum home video copy of this. I don't know if they've spruced it up and uh, corrected things on Peacock. But there's a moment where, as they're making the introductions... Richter, uh, Richter, uh, Lundra Blaze is, you know, middle of the ring and she gets her nameplate comes up, says uh, Lundra Blaze and WWF Women's Champion, blah, blah, blah. And then as they pull it away, there must have been some glitch or somebody hit a button real quick. Owen Hart's nameplate pops up. (laughs) It's there for a second. 
And it just struck me that if you watch this whole card, the best wrestling, and again, like you said, it's only three minutes, 20 seconds, so she doesn't get a lot of time to shine. But she is absolutely basically working the same kind of style of Owen Hart. Yeah, you know, a couple of her oh, yeah. runners, a beautiful bridging German. I, in fact, I think if you put Alundra Blaze in the ring with Owen, they'd have a barn burner of a match at this point. <laughs> they didn't give her enough time to truly shine, but I was I gotta say, in three minutes and 20 seconds, and her dance partner wasn't exactly ready to fly all over the ring. So there are certain things I'm sure she couldn't have done with Leilani Kai. Because sure. you know, she she seemed to have that uh, credit card vertical. Uh but I was entirely impressed with what Alundra Blaze was able to do with her three minutes and 20 seconds here. She got pyro and everything too. I mean, it was quite, a, a, they were really pushing that division, but uh, it would have a long, long way to go. Todd Pettengale is with Rhonda Shear, Shawn Michaels, and Burt Reynolds. Uh, it looks like Burt Reynolds kind of gets the best of Shawn Michaels in that little moment there. So, yep. Now, man on a mission with Oscar. <laughs> They defeat the Quebecers uh, with Johnny Polo by countout in the tag team title match. Uh, but again, it's by countout. So uh, two things here. I believe, if I am not mistaken, we've talked about the first 10 WrestleManias at this point. I believe that this is the first time we are talking about someone who is still active in 2022, the time of our recording this, being uh, Pierre of the Quebecers is PCO. I okay, don't believe yeah. anybody else is still active. When we get to WrestleMania 11, there's a couple of people, but sure. I believe this is uh, this is the only this is the first person. I mean, what an oddity! So uh, yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense. So okay, so then there you go. There's there's uh, two big firsts here because I believe I, you know I didn't write it down. Son of a gun. I believe Mabel, uh, I read, was the first person at this point to appear on a WrestleMania who was born in the 1970s. He was, you know, he oh. was the basically the youngest person at this point to have appeared on a WrestleMania. He would have been, what, 20, 24, right? This is 1994? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Oh, how that is interesting. It's also his wrestling, obviously, it's the WrestleMania debut. The WrestleMania debut of Mo, his partner. Uh, it's the WrestleMania debut of PCO, who we just talked about, Pierre. Not Jacques. He obviously had a, a few other uh, WrestleMania matches. Um, I guess you could say it's the WrestleMania debut of Raven, which I'm sure you were going to point out. Uh, that the Quebecers manager was Johnny Polo, who would later become known as as Raven, and a much more famous uh, character. Absolutely, yeah. And talk about night and day in terms of characters. I mean, you don't get a lot of it here in this match because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a sub, it's, you know, less than eight minutes of wrestling and he is just the manager. So you don't see him necessarily in the ring. But the pre, and once again, that, that half hour pre show is basically all him and Todd Pettengill. Yeah. And you get a lot of Johnny Polo and, he could not be further on the other end of the spectrum from Raven. Just so happy to be there. And I mean, now he is a sarcastic kind of wisecracker. 
So you know, th there's that aspect with Raven, but as dark as Raven in is, yes. is how bright and sunshiny Johnny Polo is as he tells you about what every you know superstar had for breakfast that morning at the at the at the catered brunch <laughs> and you know walking around backstage with his uh, polo mallet and just what a character. Uh, it shows his range, that's for sure. Yes. Um, I mentioned it was all those guys' debut. Jacques Rougeau, it was his sixth WrestleMania appearance. Um, he was as, as either Jacques of the Fabulous Rougeaus or the Mountie, and now just Jacques. A um, couple of high spots kind of in this match. You know, PCO missed a diving leg drop, which I which I think was kind of a high spot in those days. I mean, it's hard to say after, you know, after the Owen Hart match and before the Shawn Michaels match, but, you know, it's, it, it's something. I, mean, I guess it would be a... Uh, foreshadowing of what PCO would eventually become. Um, but again, as, as is the tradition, <laughs> men on a mission celebrate with those tag titles like they have won them. <laughs> uh, nobody knows the rules, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's a count out victory here, your new tag title. No, fellas, no, what are you doing? <laughs> and nobody bothers to mention it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. You know, right. The last shot we get before they cut away, uh, you know, back to Ronda Shear is them holding up the titles. Now, you know, Vince isn't saying, hey, we've got new champions or anything, but he's also not saying, like, what are you doing, guys? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, coming up next is uh, the WrestleMania moment where we're talking about WrestleMania 6. It's our first international WrestleMania. Uh, Nobody is unbeatable, is what the punchline was as they talked about Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. And I do have a note here that says Hulk Hogan is in WCW at this time. So there, uh, I, I like the line Monsoon delivers. Nobody is unbeatable. And by the way, we're talking about Hulk Hogan, who is for you know work, working for the competition. He's he's not unbeatable. <laughs> <laughs> jab jab jab. Yes, uh, Yokozuna is defending the World Wrestling Federation Championship against Lex Luger in the next match. Uh, Yokozuna is flanked by, of course, Mr. Fuji, as he was at WrestleMania 9, but also now we have Jim Cornette. Cornette making his WrestleMania appear, uh, debut here, as, as well as, um, this is not Lex Luger's WrestleMania debut. He had a match against Mr. Perfect at WrestleMania 9 that he won. Uh, but, uh, Yokozuna is one and one going into this match because at WrestleMania 9, he had two matches. He beat Bret Hart and lost to Hulk Hogan. Uh, Lex Luger is one and oh. So after Yokozuna gets the victory here, Yoko would be two and one at WrestleMania. Luger would be one and one. So that's where we stand in terms of the statistics on these guys. Donnie Wahlberg is the special guest ring announcer. Rhonda Shear is the special timekeeper. Mr. Perfect is the special guest referee. Um, and of course, since Rhonda is out there, Jerry Lawler has some, some, you know, his very sharp tongue. I blew her in her ear and she said, thanks for the refill. Which <laughs> has become hysterical. Jerry um, Lawler is the, the walking embodiment of, you know, how did you not get fired for some of the things that you said? <laughs> you know, well, we, we talked about uh, just a few minutes ago how this was a 
victorious return for the women's division on the card. And all Jerry could talk about the entire match was how ugly Alundra Blaze was. Yeah. Not face only that, like, Jerry Lawler's like illustrious that. return after his rape indictment. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well. <laughs> okay, so uh, I did want to note that uh, Jim Cornette making his WrestleMania debut, he is also running Smoky Mountain Wrestling at this point. Um, so just to, just a note that uh, that territory was still living and breathing, but they had sort of this relationship with um, with the WF. Also, uh, Jerry Lawler is um, he is sort of a USWA representative at the time. Uh, it was USWA is the company that was founded through the merger of uh, Continental Wrestling, which is Memphis, and World Class, which is Dallas. So, right. so kind of a interesting thing you know when when we talk about wrestlemania we think it's like a, you know this big super show of all the different territories coming together when you talk about like the first wrestlemania they had you know your matt borns representing the pacific northwest you kind of have people from all over uh, you get a little a little flavor of that on this although it's never spoken about right you know exactly so <laughs> yeah and for you know for as many times as he held that belt what is it like 20 six 36 times uh lawler might have been the unified champion still at that point who knows yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh todd pettengale is uh okay so the way this match that goes down with Lu with yokozuna and luger um luger would attack both cornet and fuji not saying he didn't have cause but he would attack he would attack them pulling them into the ring uh and then perfect just refused to count luger's pinfall uh, and then, then Luger pushed Mr. Perfect and Perfect Henning called, or Mr. Perfect called for the DQ. Um, well, Luger is a face in this situation and Perfect is somewhat of a heel in this situation. This screw job finish does make you think, oh, maybe it's not all water under the bridge from WrestleMania 9. Yeah. <laughs> oh god yeah and uh and and perfect uh takes you know he calls for the dq he takes off uh luger follows him backstage and they're supposed to you know they have this this nice square off backstage and it's supposed to lead to a nice feud and that feud would have kept lex luger relevant in the company and then mr perfect i think broke his foot or something like that and took his time coming back where they actually, you know, took shots at him for, you know, taking extra time off. Luger would wind up uh, feuding with, I don't even know who he feuded with next, but it kind of fell flat and Luger was basically on his way out of the company. Yeah. Luger does stick around enough to be involved with WrestleMania 11, but he's in the opening match and it's sort of forgettable. Yeah, yeah, so, he goes on a few crush, I believe. So, yeah, but okay. Uh, okay, so then, uh, yeah, so Todd Pettengale talks with Perfect afterwards. Uh, our WrestleMania moment is WrestleMania Seven, and the the one the moment they highlighted here was the blindfold match, which I thought was also interesting. Yeah, you, know, you, had that, you had the big Savage Warrior match there. You had. The sergeant slaughter angle um so 
like the blind leading the blind monsoon says uh earthquake makes a return to wrestlemania here and he defeats adam bomb by pinfall in 35 seconds uh the fink would introduce harvey wimpleman as the manager and of course harvey runs down the fink uh earthquake comes out jumps both adam bomb and uh from behind and he gets the win in 35 seconds it's a really quick run for earthquake here he's he's not with the company very long uh, but he is four and oh at wrestlemania uh, we won't see him again for a bit but i think he will he will resurface under a different name later on so yeah uh, go ahead no, oh, in the, the this this I guess the reason for this uh, squash was because they there wasn't a whole lot of build to this. This spot was supposed to be Earthquake versus Ludwig Borga, who got hurt uh, just before the Rumble and still wasn't ready to return. So Adam Bomb kind of got plugged into that spot. So there there wasn't much to be had here in terms of storyline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, following this WrestleMania, though, Earthquake and Yokozuna were paired up on the house show circuit for a little bit and i've never seen any of that but um you know they they actually kind of made reference to it vince mcmahon said imagine the situation if you know earthquake with yokozuna because earthquake was a i guess a face here uh and yoko being the the nasty heel so uh so i guess they did that a little bit at the house shows i don't know if it ever made any tv broadcasts or anything like that i've never seen anything so um, yeah my my memory but it'll be fun to maybe go back and look for that for sure yeah. uh then todd pengel with was was with yokozuna fuji and cornet backstage and cornet cut a all-time classic cornet promo um probably in, in all of the years that jim cornet worked for wf this is the promo that i remember from him as sort of like the signature one it's the whole uh shark smelling blood in the water metaphor and everything so um one of the all-time Yoko classics. Zuna, Yokozuna is the shark. The ring is the ocean, and uh, Brett is the chum that will set off the feeding frenzy. That's right. And and as great as that is, if you're just listening to it, it is fantastic. I guess the only thing that is there's a little bit of interruption in enjoying it is what the hell is Jim Cornette wearing? <laughs> He's wearing. Like, Elvis jacket with like a, an eight inch collar and it looks like it's almost plat. Like this is a guy who's known for wearing kind of a schlubby suit and carrying a tennis racket. And like, he really upped his budget for his outfit and it did not. I mean, he did. He, this is great promo work here. And as I'm watching it, I'm just looking at that jacket and going, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> but when you think of all of the managers in wwf history just just think of think of the ones from that that shout off the page for you for rest from wrestlemania has gone by jimmy hart who wore the loudest outfit you could possibly think of that were he must have had a airbrush uh studio in his house for those exactly. uh, bobby heenan who always kind of wore like probably like a straight black suit but always had the sequins in it and stuff like that fuji who wore very stereotypical little Japanese man type of outfit. You know, go back, Frenchie Martin, you know, was completely over the top in his outfit, you know, with a little monocle and everything like that. Um, that's what a WWF manager is. Like, they have yes. to fit the bill. 
so what you're saying is he probably didn't take that jacket back to Smoky Mountain Wrestling and wear it uh, for TV tapings? Not unless that was part of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, WrestleMania moment number eight was the awesome appearance of The Undertaker. So uh, the first appearance of The Undertaker, which, by the way, when we were talking about key absences, no Undertaker at WrestleMania 10. He was busy in Japan promoting the upcoming WWF tour. So okay. that's kind of incredible when you think about it. You're one of your top guys, one of your former champions in a time where you didn't have a whole lot of former champions you know, on the roster, uh, just decided he wasn't going to participate at wrestlemania it's kind of crazy yeah yeah you can't imagine a scenario where something like that could happen and you know yeah well i wasn't thinking about it as i'm watching it but in that era it, it's kind of insane that the taker the taker was not on this card yeah uh you know especially considering you know we're at wrestlemania 38 wondering whether we're takers going to have a match you know so <laughs> it's 39 now but uh, you know, WrestleMania 50 will still be wondering whether Taker's going to make a return. So, <laughs> uh, the next match is the big one. Razor Ramon gets a win over Shawn Michaels, who's accompanied by Diesel in an Intercontinental Championship ladder match. It goes 1847. This is the ladder match. Uh, is kind of the first one in WWF history. It's not the first ladder match ever, but it's the first one of note anywhere. And Shawn Michaels' performance here, if nothing else, it's, you know, I mean, he was already a, kind of a star on the way up. Now he is a big, big, big deal. Yeah, and and in defeat, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously both guys shine, but yeah, Shawn makes a name for himself here, and you know, sometimes you forget he didn't win this match. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Razor Ramon did. And of course, this is probably the high point of Razor's entire career as well. I mean, he would, in years previous, he would, he even challenged for the WWF Championship, um, not at WrestleMania, but, you know, on other shows. But this had to be the highest watermark for him and his whole, his whole WWF run. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, when you see him strike the pose at the top of that ladder with the two belts, you would say to yourself, like, how did this guy not wind up the WWF champion? Yeah. But he's out of the company in, a, in probably about two years' time. And then you would ask yourself, how the hell did he not become the WCW champion? But that was all his own doing, unfortunately. But, you know, when you look at overall what Razor Ramon Scott Hall's contribution to the business was, this was the match that really solidified him as a you know, I mean, he was already a star, but this right. kind of put him in the, you know, he's one of the best workers in the business type of um, mind. And when you think about his contribution with what him and Kevin Nash would do in leaving the company, mm -hmm. it kind of set us on a whole trajectory for the, the rest of wrestling history. Yeah. You know? If, you know, when you talk about uh, – I'm a big baseball fan, a big football fan. When you talk about the Hall of Fame in those sports, uh, pundits will sometimes bring up the fact, okay, this does this guy belong in there? Well, can you tell the story 
of the history of that sport without bringing up this person's contributions. And if the WWE Hall of Fame was not completely at the mercy of Vince McMahon, if it was a true Hall of Fame and there was like a panel who voted on who was going in, Scott Hall would still be in and would still likely be a first ballot Hall of Famer without ever being a world champion because you cannot tell the history of wrestling without bringing up his contributions. Yep, 100% true. 100% true. Um, Dave Meltzer would say in the Wrestling Observer newsletter that Shawn Michaels put on one of the greatest individual performances in the history of the business at WrestleMania 10 to highlight what the consensus is the best pay-per-view show in WWF history. Michaels, in one of his last shows with the company before going on what is planned to be a several-month-long sabbatical, put on a performance that left just about everyone in wrestling in awe in his latter match loss to Razor Ramon. The match, probably the best match ever on a WWF pay-per-view show, somehow overshadowed one of the greatest matches in WWF history between Bret Hart and Owen Hart that opened the show and a WWF title change with Bret later regaining of the WWF title from Yokozuna in an average match in the evening's finale. The heart-heart match with Owen scoring the surprise clean win to elevate him to the upper echelon appeared when it was over to be a strong match of the year candidate and was a tad better than the legendary Ricky Steamboat Randy Savage WrestleMania three match, which has largely been considered the greatest match in modern WF history because of the stronger finish and even bit, even bit as uh, every bit as good overall work. So it's interesting, you know, what, what Dave is saying is like, Owen Brett was rest, was match of the year for about an hour. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, and, and the crazy thing is, uh, as he mentions the sabbatical here, you would think coming off of this five-star match, uh, and I say that just in general terms, I don't know what it actually it is. Yep, I it know. is. Uh, you would think coming off of this five-star match, both guys would, you know, have a, a rocket strapped to them. Razor, uh, you know, obviously can, can uh, remain at the top of the card when I, Michaels wouldn't wrestle again until August. He kind of manages Diesel. Uh, He hosts the Heartbreak Hotel uh, interview segment. He doesn't wrestle again on TV until August, coming off of the match of the year. Yeah. But he would go on after this to win the Royal Rumble and then go to WrestleMania the next year and challenge for the WWF Championship. So um, while he took the time off, he was... He did kind of get the rockets, the rocket strapped. It just, you know, he had the time off, I guess. So, uh, Todd Pettengale is with Bill Clinton and Ted DiBiase this time. And Ted says, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. Um, apparently, Ted DiBiase, of course, I talked about earlier how he had announced his retirement from the ring or whatever. He was supposed to have a big surprise on the show. That's that was advertised. I have no idea what that would have been or what that could have been. Yeah, no, no even rumblings about it. So, uh, you're supposed to have a big role on the card. I guess uh, just don't know what that could have been. Yeah. So. Maybe, maybe it had something to do with that 10 man tag that got uh, cut because Razor and uh, HBK went long. Yes. Not yeah, likely, okay. not likely considering who was involved in that match, but you know, maybe. Yeah, do you know, do you have it written down what that match was? Yeah, it was supposed to be uh, Bob Holly, Tatanka, 1-2-3 Kid, and the Smoking Guns 
versus Jeff Jarrett, Rick Martel, IRS, and the Head Shrinkers. Wow. So it would have been a – I mean, it wouldn't have been a very important match. It would have got all those guys on the card, but it would have been Jeff Jarrett's debut. Mm. Um, and it's funny that earlier today, earlier on this show, I was talking about how PCO is the first guy that we're talking about who is who remains active. Well, Jeff Jarrett would have been the second guy. Yeah. So we'll have to wait till next year. <laughs> uh, we get a we get a Bret Hart and Yokozuna video package. Uh, we also get Gorilla Monsoon delivering his last WrestleMania moment. It's WrestleMania Nine, the world's largest toga party. Uh, we see Savage enjoying himself, uh, but it was an afternoon of miscarriages of justice, <laughs> which they show Bret Hart losing the title. They do not show Hulk Hogan winning it. <laughs> uh, we had the Hogan Andre moment. That's enough for him. The hell with him. That's right. <laughs> and the Hogan Warrior Matt moment. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, final match, main event: Bret Hart versus Yokozuna, WWF Championship on the line. Uh, Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette are there with Yokozuna, and Bret Hart gets the win by pinfall in ten thirty-eight. So, kind of a short match. Also, maybe a little bit of time taken uh, from the. Uh, the razor match although brett and owen went 20 minutes earlier in the night so uh right. and yokozuna had already worked once and yokozuna is kind of a big guy I'm not sure how much gas he had left in the tank for that yeah. particular evening so maybe it was always planned to go a little short but jenny garth was the com uh the timekeeper burt reynolds was the ring announcer a legitimate wrestling fan uh who had gotten mugged just the week prior which is why he actually had the uh cast on his wrist yeah Rowdy Roddy Piper is the special guest referee for this match, a role that he would be accustomed to filling at WrestleManias. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, the finish is weak and very weird. Uh, Brett didn't beat Yoko. Yoko beat Yoko. <laughs> Brett, Yokozuna went for the bonsai splash, lost his balance, fell off. Thank God he didn't fall off onto Brett. Um, and Brett covered him for the win. And that's how that went. Uh, the locker room would empty to celebrate with Bret Hart, uh, Gorilla Monsoon, Roddy Piper, Pat Patterson, Randy Savage, Razor Ramon, Bob Holly, Lex Luger, Tatanka, One Two Three Kid. They're all out there celebrating with him, uh, and I, 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 you know, it's basically the whole babyface side of the locker room. And I wondered if it was just a way to show, to kind of set things up. Everybody's out there celebrating with Bret except for Owen. And I think it makes it more dramatic that you have all these people celebrating with Brett and then you have Owen standing in the aisle with looking like he just ate a plate of turds. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, as there are great, there are multiple great moments on this card, but that is just so perfect. Now, supposedly there's this whole coronation moment or whatever, what have you, uh, wasn't necessarily planned. I think Randy, uh, Brett mentions Randy Savage is the one who had the idea for the whole uh, babyface locker room to go out there and put Brett on his sh on their shoulders and whatnot. But I'm sure that they did plan on uh, the Owen moment, and that is just maybe one of the best WrestleMania endings ever. 
just watching watching Owen. Now, if it hadn't been Madison Square Garden and there had been more of a you know traditional stage setup for WrestleMania, it might have uh, even come off better. But just having him down that narrow entryway, those steel blue eyes burning a hole into his brother, the locked jaw, just you could see him seething as his brother is being, you know, he's on people's shoulders like a, a conquering hero. And but I beat you tonight. I just, just a fantastic final image for this show. You know, to your point, the previous nine WrestleManias were a period at the end of the sentence, right? Hogan posed. Hogan won the title. Hogan defended the title. Whatever the case may be, Savage won the title and Hogan was there to pose them. WrestleMania 9 didn't really have a cliffhanger, but there was kind of an open, loose end with Yokozuna and, and Hulk Hogan. You know, they would they would wrestle again at the next pay-per-view. But this one, it gave you the cliffhanger. The booking was solid. Owen gets a win over Brett in the opening contest. And, you know, if if Brett had won the title in the opening contest and Owen fought Brett in the main event, Owen Hart would be the world champion. And that, that that's what Owen Hart's thinking as he sits there seething his moment stolen by his brother. Uh, it, it, and it set up, I mean, SummerSlam was Brett and Owen in a cage, right? So, um, yeah. So yeah, to, to your point, to your point, if the, the previous nine WrestleManias ended with somewhere between a period or an exclamation point, this one ended with an ellipsis. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. To be continued. Uh, from a stat perspective, Randy Savage finishes with the most WrestleMania matches through WrestleMania 10. He's got 11 and he's got a seven and four record. Hulk Hogan has 10 matches. He's seven and three. So he has a slightly better win percentage there. Um, but whatever. Tito Santana's got eight matches. He's one and seven. Bret Hart is got he's got his ten matches. So he he is tied with Hogan for second, but his record is only uh well, it's it's five and three, but he was also in two battle royals, so he's got ten appearances. Yeah. Um but like I mentioned, Earthquake with uh four and oh. So you know, you've got a few of these people um that are undefeated. So Earthquake, Big Boss Man, but those are like to be continued because we'll see them again later. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all that said, that is WrestleMania 10, one of the greatest WrestleManias uh, of all time. One of the ones that is definitely going to be on people's shortlist when they rank them, I think. Uh, definitely not 11, though. <laughs> yeah, what a stark contrast from one year to the next. But uh, yeah, this one is, this one definitely makes the short list of best. That's right. And with that said, join us probably for a much shorter episode on Monday <laughs> about WrestleMania 11. We'll see you then. See you then.